mountains are still being moved. Hello, and welcome to Raising the Standard with Pastor Owen Moody of the Richmond House of Prayer in Richmond, Kentucky. You're invited to join us each Monday, Wednesday, and Friday for an anointed full-length message from Pastor Moody. After the message, we'll be back to let you know how you can contact us. On this podcast, Pastor Moody brings us a message entitled, Jacob's Ladder. His scripture text will be taken from the book of Genesis, chapter 28, verses 10 through 12, and verses 19 through 22. Here now, Pastor Moody. Genesis chapter 28, let's start in verse number 10. The Bible said, And Jacob went out from Beersheba and went toward Haran. And he lighted upon a certain place. Somebody say, a certain place. And tarried there all night because the sun was set. It got started to get dark. And he took of the stones of that place and put them for his pillars. That, that literally doesn't mean that he laid his head on rocks. I've heard preachers preach that before. But it means he took stones of that place and set them up as a security parameter around him. That's what it meant from the wild beast. And then it said, he lay down in that place to sleep. And he dreamed, and behold, a ladder set up on the earth. And the top of it reached to heaven. And behold, the angels of God ascending and descending upon it. Verse number 19. And he called the name of that place Bethel, which means the house of God. But the name of the city was called Luz at the first. Jacob bowed a vow bow, and said, If God will be with me and will keep me in this way that I go, and will give me bread to eat and raiment to put on, so that I come again to my father's house in peace, then he shall be, the, shall, shall the Lord be my God. And this stone, this place I've set for a pillar shall be God's house. And of all that shalt, and of all that thou shalt give me, I will surely give a tenth to thee. But I want you to notice the scripture said that Jacob lighted upon a certain place, and he dreamed a dream, and there was a ladder set up on the earth, and the top of it reached to heaven. I want to preach for a while this morning on the topic of Jacob's ladder. The morning I was praying, and then yesterday I was driving early. I left about a quarter to six, driving back to Indiana to help bring the kids back and to pull the trailer back with the luggage. And I was praying again, and God began to talk to me about Jacob's ladder. I want to preach on that this morning. Father, we just thank you for your love and for the goodness of God. We pray, Lord, that you'll bless. Let your will be done today. Touch our hearts and strengthen us. Strengthen the church. I pray for the lost to be saved, for believers and converts and Christians that are established, Lord, all of them, to be strengthened today in their understanding of their walk with God. Let your will be done. Let us know we have access to you and to your power and to your glory and to your help and your strength. And we'll give you praise in Jesus' name. The church said, amen, amen. You can be seated. Glory, glory. Preaching for a while this morning on the subject of Jacob's ladder. I begin to think about what this ladder meant. And I actually thought about bringing a, we got a large step ladder that goes almost to the ceiling. I thought about bringing it up here and setting it up. But I'm a little bit afraid of ladders right now. No, I'm, I'm playing. <laughs> but. I really thought like this, this is a day that people need to get a hold of God. 
There are people in the congregation this morning. God dealt with me the other day, and there's things that I know now that I didn't know then that are going on in some of your lives. And God began to deal with me that people need access to heaven. They need to be able to get a hold of God. It's not enough just to be able to walk around and tell people I'm saved. I mean, that's the greatest thing you could tell anybody. And uh, it's not enough just to say, I know my name's in the Lamb's Book of Life, which is the greatest assurance anybody could ever have. But how many of you understand that sometimes we need to get a hold of heaven? We need to be in touch with God. We need manifest presence. We need to be able to bring God down to where we are or bring ourselves to where He is. And so I begin to think about this event that took place in Jacob's life. Jacob, like us, like we are many times, was in a time of distress. He was in a time of uncertainty. He had been a deceptive human. He had been a person that uh, the word Jacob itself means a, a, a swindler, if you would, a heel catcher is the literal translation of it because he and Esau were twins, and Esau came out first, and Jacob grabbed a hold of his heel. And it was symbolic that he would always be taking things away from Esau. He would do it by hook or crook. I mean, knows what I'm talking about. Whatever it took, he would get what he needed. Esau, on the other hand, was a man of the field. An odd thing was that, that Isaac, their father, loved Esau. He favored him. He was his favorite. Does anybody understand? This home was, was dysfunctional. Parents, if you have favorites among your children, you need to repent and get right with God. I'll just leave that out there. And, but uh, Esau was Isaac's favorite, and Jacob was mama's boy. He was, he was sort of a little sissy-like boy from what I understand. But uh, he was a, a young man that was determined to get the things of God. He betrayed his brother and uh, bought his brother's birthright. The birthright was very powerful because the birthright meant that you got a double portion of the inheritance more than the other children did. It meant that you were the one from, from, through whom the father's blessing would flow. You would always be the patriarch of the family. So Esau, being a hunter, was out hunting one day. And how many of you know sometimes when you're a hunter, you don't do well? You have a bad day. He came in from the field. I told him that's the way it is when I go fishing. That's, that's why you call it fishing and not catching, because some days you don't catch. Amen. And Esau came in from the field, and he was about to faint. He'd been on a hunting trip. He hadn't killed anything. He ate up all his supplies and he was about to die. And Jacob, on the other hand, was sitting at home and he learned to cook. And he was cooking beans, amen, some lentils, some pottage. And, and when Esau came out of the field, he said, I'm about to die. And he said, I'm starving to death, brother. Give me some of those beans. How many knows what Jacob did? He seized the moment and said, sure, but give me your birthright. So he took the brother's birthright. Then later on, when, in fact, in the previous chapter, when Isaac was old and about to die, the custom was the father would call in the sons. He would lay his right hand upon the head of the eldest, and he would speak over him the patriarchal blessing. He would uh, endue him with the favor of his life and of his God, and he would always give him the double portion. So Isaac was old. His eyes had grown dim. He was about to die. And his wife, uh, Rebecca, knew that he was about to die. So she goes to Jacob and says, go in, deceive your father. I don't want to preach on that, but he loved venison. Uh, oh, Esau could not only kill a deer, but folks, he could cook one. Would you say amen? He, he, he could really cook it up well. It was savory, the Bible said, which means it was flavorful. It was tender. It was just something to really be desired. And so 
Anyway, uh, Jacob goes in and his father says, My son, uh, he puts, you know, lamb's wool on him. He puts a smell of the field on him. And he thinks it's uh, Esau. And he says, Go out. And he says, Kill me uh, some venison, fix some savory meat, and bring it in that I might delight my soul one more time in your food. And then I'm going to give you the blessing. So he goes out and they, his mother prepares some food. She knows the recipe. And he carries it back in and he's, he's disguised himself. He deceives his father. And to make a long story short, he, not only did he have Esau's birthright, but now he gets his blessing. And his father begins to speak the blessing over him. And, uh, of course, Esau comes in later. And I know I'm skipping a lot of this. But he finds out what's taking place. And Jacob's afraid for his life. So his father sends him away. And he says, now I don't want you to go among the, you know, among the dwellers of this land, but I want you to go to, your, to our, our family's people, and I want you to find you a wife. And then he said, the Lord bless you. And he spoke that blessing over him. And so at this point, he's leaving home. Are you hearing me? He's fleeing from a brother that's mad enough to kill him and has swore to kill him. And the scripture says he's traveling, and uh, he wasn't traveling, you know, empty-handed. I, I know he had some oil with him, which was a precious commodity in that time, because the next morning he poured oil upon a rock and anointed that place uh, to be a place of worship. And so he's fleeing for his life, and he's leaving home. No doubt he's confused, he's troubled, he knows what he's supposed to have. He knows what he's received by deception. He knows what his father has spoken over him. But how many knows his heart's not right? I want to say that he's not where he ought to be with God. And I want to tell you the key to, to receiving from God is first of all getting your heart right. It's not enough. You know, God would say later in the book of Malachi by the prophet, he said, I want you to know I love Jacob, but I hate Esau. Even though Isaac loved Esau, God hated him. And the reason was that, that Jacob wanted spiritual things. He wanted the birthright. He wanted the blessing. He wanted to serve God. I want to tell you, it's a good thing when your children want to serve God. It's a good thing when your grandchildren have an ambition to play music or to sing in the church or to be prayer warriors or involved in some kind of ministry. Uh, last night, I, I don't want to embarrass her, but, but Abby came came to me yesterday and she said, Papa, at some time she just come back from youth camp. I'd like to go up to the church when you go. And I'd like to get down to the altar. And she said, I'd like to worship and I'd like to seek God. Isn't that amazing? Hallelujah. So she came up last night while I was back in the office and she was in here in her own way trying to seek God. So God said, I love that. I love it when people have an ambition to get close to God. Others have a nonchalant attitude towards God. They're trained up that everything else is more important. It's more important to be a hunter. It's more important to be a ball player. It's more important to be a ballerina or a beauty queen than to be a child of God. But God said, I hate that. Oh, can I preach that a while? Here's a man that wanted something from God. He didn't know how to get it. But Clyde, it was in his heart. I want the blessing. Hallelujah. Glory, if you want the blessing, give God a hand of praise. Woo! Hallelujah. I feel like preaching today if y'all help me a little bit. So, so Jacob, the Bible says he leaves Beersheba. And Beersheba is the place where their family's dwelling now. 
because of famine, they'd had to leave and come into that country. Oddly enough, Beersheba means a place of covenant. It's a place where Abraham before had made a covenant with Abimelech and uh, he had digged a well there and it, it caused the city to be born. It was such a, a productive well. And Beersheba means a place of covenant. That's significant in Jacob's life because now he's leaving a place with spiritual heritage. He's leaving a place where the blessing has been imparted. From Abraham, I mean, I feel the Lord right now. He's starting out on a journey not knowing where he's going. You young people that are in this congregation this morning, you listen to this preacher. Let me tell you something. Not everybody's a, you know, a Tommy Bates. Not everybody's a, a, a Owen Moody, amen. I, and I'm not putting myself on the level with nobody. I'm just saying it because I'm your pastor. Can, can I say it? Not everybody's a Rod Parsley. Not everybody's a, even a pastor of a little congregation or a small little church. Or Not everybody's a worship leader. But can I tell you, everybody can have an ambition to find the heart of God. Everybody can have an ambition to get in a place where God can bless them. Everybody can find a have a have a desire to get to the place where I learn how to pray, where I learn how to read the Word of God and have it make sense to me. Everybody can get to a place where you can be filled with the Holy Ghost and anointed by the Holy Ghost and led by the Holy Ghost and empowered by the Holy Ghost. It's possible to have a victorious life in Jesus. Glory to God. So he, he leaves Beersheba, it says in verse 10. And he goes toward Haran. Haran, of course, is the place of beginning. It's where God spoke to Abraham at first and told him to leave, amen, and go on a journey. I'm going to take you to a place where your seed's going to be as the stars of heaven and as the sands of the sea. Can I tell you something? There's something about the favor of God. There's something when your children see the blessing of God on your life. I want you to be encouraged by this. They may take wrong turns and they may have wrong attitudes. Jacob had a bad attitude and a bad spirit. But I want to tell you, he still yet had a desire. I know what it means to have the Abrahamic blessing. He knew God had blessed Abraham. He knew God had blessed Isaac. And I want to tell you something church we need to have something with God that's so real that no matter where our children go and how they grow up that they'll always be in their mind it'll always be in their heart there's a God that daddy knew there's a God that mama knew there's a God of the Bible there's a God in the church my God I wish somebody help me there's a place where I need to be with God hallelujah <laughs> Woo. So he comes, the scripture says in verse 11 to a certain place. Somebody say a certain place. He tarried there. He stayed there all night. Amen. And uh, the scripture says that he set up pillows for security. A thought like this. He's alone with his fears. He's alone with his ambitions. He really doesn't know how to get where God wants him to be. I was driving up the interstate early yesterday morning. And I was praying, you know, I'm alone with God. Just got two hours and a better, you know, two hours and change just driving. 
I'm driving along. I've been listening to some good music and been praising the Lord. After a while, I just turned the radio over, the radio off, and I said, God, I just want to talk to you. And I started praying. I started telling God about things that were going on, things in my life, things in my family. Then I got to praying about the church, things in the church. Then all of a sudden, the Holy Ghost just began to take over. It seemed like my spirit. He began to tell me there's things that you're going to be facing Sunday morning in your congregation, things that you don't know about. You're going to learn some things and things that, that are still yet going to be unrevealed to you. Since then, I've learned some things. I've heard some things. Amen. That I know that there are people here that need to get a hold of God. I know there are others sitting here because of what the Lord said to me. You've been dealing with a lot of uncertainty. You don't know exactly how to solve what you're dealing with. My, my own target, somebody say amen. You, you, you might say, preacher, that could fit about any crowd. No, I'm, I'm going to get real specific here. I believe the Lord began to tell me there's some things in this congregation this morning that have troubled you so much you're not sleeping. Your stomach's in a mess. You're upset. Your system's all out of whack. You've been trying to get somewhere to get some help. You've, you've called. Amen. You've Facebooked. You've texted. Amen. You've tried everywhere to find some help. I've come to tell you, old Jacob was like that, but he came to a certain place. Whoa, hallelujah. He lied on a certain place. And when he got there, he was by himself. So he set up some security around him. And there he was, uh, amen, drifted off into a sleep. And suddenly God appears to him and shows him this vision of a ladder that reaches to heaven. Oh, hallelujah. I, I thought about Jacob's ladder. How this appeared was. He's in a place of solitude. He's alone. Later on, he'd be in a place again like that, a place called Peniel. And there he would wrestle with the Lord till daylight. And there was some people, you know, Scripture says an angel, most theologians believe it was a theophany or a pre-incarnate revelation of Jesus. He's wrestling with the Lord because later he says, I've seen God face to face. And as he wrestled toward daylight, the angel said to the Lord, said, let me go. And old Jacob said, no, boy, I ain't going to let you go till you bless me. I wonder how many of us have really ever got down to business with God, really got down into a place of prayer, really got into a place of consecration where we was willing to lay aside our own ambitions, lay aside our own desires, lay aside the things that, that had been uh, controlling our lives and realize I'm not leaving here till I get blessed. Hallelujah. Can I say that I'm not leaving here till I get victory over my addictions, till I get get victory over my hang-ups till I get victory over my stinking attitude. Woo! Somebody shout right there. I'm not leaving here till I lose my strong self-will. I'm not leaving here till I lose selfishness. I'm not leaving here till I lose vanity and pride and the things that keep me away from God. I'm going to hold on till I break through. Glory to God. I'm going to hold on till I get the blessing from the Lord. Hallelujah that I need. So, anyway, here he's alone with God. He lays down. He's in a place of solitude. And, you know, David said it like this. He said in Psalm 55, uh, he said, My heart is sore pain within me. Terrors of death are falling upon me. Fearfulness and trembling are come upon me. And horror 
has overwhelmed me. Let me tell you something. When your heart's broke, and sometimes life, family, people you love, circumstances beyond your control, can I say it, can just absolutely break your heart. How many knows what I'm talking about? Wave at me. Not only that, but sometimes fearfulness, trembling, horror comes upon you. Amen. I want you to notice this. He said, terrors, death are falling upon me. And so he says, fearfulness and trembling are upon me and horror has overwhelmed me. Listen to what he says. Psalm 55 and 6. And I said, oh, that I had the wings of a dove, the wings of the Spirit. For then I would fly away and be at rest. Lo, then I would wander far off and remain in the wilderness. Amen. Selah. Verse 8. I would hasten my escape from the windy storm and the tempest. Sometimes the answer is not a crowd. Sometimes the answer is not a preacher praying for you. Can I get a witness in this house? Sometimes the answer is not lamenting your desperation to a multitude. But sometimes your answer is getting alone with God. Oh, my, my, my. Sometimes you you just have to come to a certain place, a foreordained, predestinated place where God had scheduled an appointment with you. See, we'll make an appointment with the doctor. But if you'll listen to the Holy Ghost sometimes, God will make an appointment with you. And God will call you apart to a solitary place. And he'll get alone with you. Now, I need to throw in a little disclaimer and a warning here. It's not always pleasant to be alone with God. The next time Jacob got alone with God, he left with a limp. Because God jerked his hip out of joint. And I had an old preacher tell me one time, he said, son, never trust anybody that don't limp. And I thought, what? And he said, by that I mean, never trust anybody that ain't had their walk changed. That ain't had it ain't took on a different profile. Glory to God. Woo! Glory. Sometimes when you're alone with God, He'll dress you down. Other times He'll dress you up. Sometimes when you're alone with God, He'll whip you and chastise you. But other times He'll pour in the oil and the wine and pour out a fresh anointing on your life. Glory to God. So Jacob's alone. He lays down. He don't know what to do. I, I've often wondered, how could you sleep at a time like that? And then I begin to realize that sometimes things are so bad you get depressed. And how many knows when you're depressed, you'll sleep a lot? Maybe that was it. I'm not, I'm not saying. I'm just saying maybe. Look at somebody and say, he said Maybe. Maybe he was just depressed. He's overwhelmed by the circumstances. He lays down. He's alone with God. Jeremiah knew something about the need to be alone with God. Jeremiah is a weeping prophet. Amen. He was never a popular preacher. He ended up going to prison for his ministry. The, the nation sinned and they charged him with treason because he told them that the Babylon was coming to destroy him because of their sin. 
But Jeremiah said it like this in Jeremiah 9 and 1. He said, oh, that my head were waters and my eyes a fountain of tears that I might weep day and night for the slain of the daughter of my people. And then he said, oh, verse 2, that I had in the wilderness a lodging place of wayfaring men that I might leave my people and go from them for they're all adulterers and an assembly of treacherous men. What was he saying? I need to get along with God because of the ministry. Your Bible said that even Jesus did that in Luke chapter 5. Just before he healed the man that was born of four where they tore the roof off. It said in Luke chapter 5 verse 12, it said it came to pass. He was in a certain city and behold a man full of leprosy who seeing Jesus fell on his face and besought him saying, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus did what nobody ever does. He put his hand on a leper. How many knows why he put his hand on him? He put his hand on him because the leper fell on his face before him. He's alone. I might have been a crowd around, but trust me, he's alone with Jesus. And Jesus lays his hand upon him. Amen. And the Bible said he touched him. And when he touched him, he said, I will. And said, be thou clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. And he said, go, don't tell anybody, but go show yourself to the priest and offer for cleansing according to, as Moses commanded, the ceremonial offering for a testimony of them. But so much more there went a fame abroad of Jesus. Great multitudes came together to hear and to be healed of him by, by other infirmities. Uh, but this man had been alone with Jesus. And then the next verse says, verse 16, and Jesus withdrew himself into the wilderness he got alone and Jesus prayed hallelujah so there's something to be said about being alone with God so Jeremiah uh, needed it David needed it Jesus did it and Jacob's alone with God and verse 12 said all of a sudden he dreams a dream and there's a ladder set up on the earth and the top of it reaches to heaven and the angels of God are ascending descending now the ladder was a revelation. It was a revelation of some things the church doesn't understand. Most of us, if we saw that ladder, the first thing we'd do, even Spurgeon, the great prince of preachers, said, if I could find Jacob's ladder, I'd climb it. And when I got to the top, he said, I'd look to the right hand of God where the Lamb of God stands, and I'd ask him, what's the conclusion of the whole matter? And he would say to me that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. But here's what I want you to get. The ladder is not for you to climb. It's, it's, a, it's a revelation of God's providence, of God's power, of God's preeminence and God's position. There's a ladder setting up. And notice, men are not climbing it. But angels are climbing and going up and down the ladder. And angels are coming down. They're looking upon Jacob. They're seeing his condition, his, his predicament. They know what he needs. And they're going back up the ladder. They're telling God what Jacob needs. Oh, hallelujah. And they're bringing back the response from the throne. Now, that's a, a tremendous thing. And I could preach right here about the ministry of angels and about the fact that the Bible said in the book of Hebrews that his angels are ministering spirits, flames of fire sent to minister to each of us. But I want to get your focus off of angels if I can for a moment. As important as they were in this situation, I want to tell you there's another, another reference to this. 
The scripture said in John chapter 1, verse 47, it said, Jesus saw Nathanael coming to him. And he said, Behold, an Israelite indeed is in whom, no, in, in whom is no guile. And Nathanael said to him, Lord, whence knowest thou me? And Jesus said unto him, Before Philip called you. Philip went and got him. He was his brother. He said, When you was under the fig tree, I saw you. And Nathanael answered and said unto him, Rabbi, you're the Son of God. You're the King of Israel. And Jesus said to him, Because I said to thee, I saw you under the fig tree, believest thou that you'll see greater things than this. Watch this. He said unto him, I verily, verily, I send you hereafter, you'll see the heaven open and you'll see the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. You see, the instrument, the ladder was an instrument for man, but was not an instrument for by man for his ability to get to God, but it was an instrument for God to get to his people. It was an instrument for God to meet a man or a woman in a lonely place, in a hurting place, in a desperate place, in a need of healing place, in a need of prosperity place, in a need of a peace of mind, in a need of restoration being brought back to life no matter what it is you need there's a place you can get with God and there's an access to the throne, there's something that's called an open heaven experience Jacob saw that ladder I want you to watch this he didn't try to climb it What are you saying, preacher? I'm going to tell you, you could never fix your own mess. Somebody get a hold of what I'm saying. You can't straighten this stuff out. I mean, you might might smooth it over, it'll erupt again. I mean, the man with leprosy might have went home and put on, you know, some makeup and, and, and some powder and puff or something other and covered up the leprosy and, and, and you know, kind of put on some pretty clothes or something and, and some fancy gloves or something and, and whatever. The other day I was walking through the checkout line at, 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 the, at the store. I don't know why I even thought of this. It just came to mind, but there on the front of one of them tabloids, it just sort of flashed in my eye. I seen a picture of Michael Jackson standing there with some kind of a big old jewel, fancy-looking glove on and, and all that mess all dressed up and dolled up like some kind of king or something and there he stood you know and there's some big, I didn't even read what the headline said and I thought all that and he's still dead don't mean to be unkind but I'm telling you your answer your hope is not in the rudiments of this world more money is not your answer fame is not your answer amen success as the world calls success is not what you need I'm here to tell somebody what you need amen is to get alone with God you need to get to a place dear God where there's a ladder set up where power is coming down and power is going up where angels are ministering where the Holy Ghost is moving where God is showing himself strong Glory to God. Give him praise if you will. So Jacob had a revelation that night. He met for the first time in his life the answer, the key, the avenue, the method that he could be changed. So what he does is he sets up a stone He takes oil and he pours oil upon a stone. Now, you might say that sounds strange. You want to hear something really strange? When Joshua and the children of Israel came uh, through the Red Sea, and in one place they, or or through Jordan, I'm sorry, one place they got over to Canaan, they they set up a stone and poured oil on it and made an altar out of it and and named it Ed. That'd be a good Bible study for you. It's It's an altar named Ed, it's in your Bible. 
And all of it just simply means this. Whether it's a ladder. Whether it's God parting a Jordan River. Whether it's God parting a Red Sea. Whether it's plagues destroying Egypt. God wants you to understand, it wasn't Moses that delivered you, it was me. He wants you to understand, it wasn't Joshua that delivered you, it was me. He wanted Jacob to understand, if you want the blessing of Abraham and the blessing of Isaac, you don't get it by hook, crook, steel, <coughs> manipulation, cheating. You get it by getting the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac. <coughs> so Jacob, in this solitary place, he sees a ladder set up. The Bible said it reaches to heaven. So he sees the ladder on the earth. He sees it reaching to heaven. He sees angels of God ascending and descending. That's what he saw. But the most important thing was what he heard. He heard, can, can I say this? He saw the ladder on the earth, but more importantly was the voice above it. Because the scripture said that when he saw this, the Lord stood above it, verse 13, and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham thy father, the God of Isaac, and the ground that you're sleeping on, I'm going to give it to you. And to your seed. Watch this. And your seed shall be as the dust of the earth. And you'll spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. And in, and in thee and in thy seed shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Wow. Somebody ought to say wow. When you get to the right place with God. And you get a revelation from God. Notice this now. Jesus is the ladder. And on me, he said, you'll see angels ascending and descending. What was he saying? In me, you're going to see the new covenant. In me, you're going to see contact with heaven. Do you understand that there's not another religion, there's not another man, there's not another prophet. I don't care if his name is Muhammad, I don't care if his name is Buddha, I don't care if he's revered and esteemed by half of the world or two-thirds of it. There's no other name under heaven whereby a man, a man must be saved or a woman other than the name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. So just like God said to Jacob in you and in your seed, the families of the earth are going to be blessed. Jesus said it's in me now. You'll see angels ascending and descending. Here's a couple right here who's fixing to get married. Now let me tell you a thing. I'm going to speak the word of the Lord over you. So all right, this is the word of God. The word of God is for your families to be blessed, for your seed to be blessed. 
for your future and your posterity to be blessed. For grandchildren and great-grandchildren and great-great-grandchildren. And even generations after you're gone to be blessed. The answer is that you understand that while I get alone with God and I find communication and relationship with Him and all of a sudden He's in charge and not me. Glory to God. All of a sudden what happens is a blessing, the blessing of Abraham. You see, Paul even said that. We, the blessing of Abraham has come upon us through Jesus Christ. So in us, not only is our children blessed, but all the families of the earth are blessed. Is anybody hearing me? So if that's the case, if I find myself resting solely, completely in the grace of God, in the name of Jesus, in the blessing and favor of God, can I tell you no weapon for against me can prosper. Nothing can tear apart my marriage. Nothing can tear down my home. Nothing can destroy my family. Nothing can take my prosperity. Oh, somebody ought to shout. There's a real blessing that's available. Glory to God. Glory to God. So he's alone with God. You see, all you need is to be alone with God. One moment in the fog. You know what the fog is? It's the favor of God. Walking in the fog. Hallelujah. So tell somebody, I'm walking in the fog. Glory. In the favor of God. One moment in the favor of God changes everything. Look at somebody and say, everything. You might say, I'm in a mess. I'm busted, disgusted. Can't be trusted. Don't trust anybody. I've been, in the words of John Bunyan, in the slough of despond. I've been in the quagmire of sin. I've been drugged through the gutters of the earth. I've done everything, tried it all, and I found nothing. But right now, it's you and Jesus. I know you're sitting in this congregation. But all of a sudden, you've seen in a ladder something you've never seen before. You've seen that angels can come where you are and minister to your need and carry your situation back to the very throne of God. The Bible said His angels are ministering spirits, flames of fire, sent to minister to them that are the heirs of salvation. If I can just get along with Jesus, I don't know, I'm not preaching this right. If I can just get along with Jesus... Heaven can open and all the power, the glory, the majesty, the promises, the prosperity, the peace, the glory, the the help, the healing. Everything I need is at my disposal. I'd rather be a Christian. Now I'm not talking about some little sissy some or other went up and shook some little old preacher's sweaty hand and prayed a little Polly one cracker prayer. And don't, don't get misunderstand me, I'm not demeaning anything. And signed a card, got my name on a book, and went right back to the mess I was in, hollering, I'm a Christian. Hello. The Bible said they were first called Christians at Antioch. If you tell me when, I'll quit. I just can't. They were called Christians at Antioch first. You know why? It was because they were like Jesus. Now, 
Listen, if you get to be like Jesus, you'd run around and tell somebody I'm a Christian. But until then, just tell them I'm saved. Let that soak in. I always tell our young people when they go to youth camp, if you go up there and act right, tell them you belong to the house of prayer. If you don't, tell them I, I don't know where you came from. Don't you go up there and disgrace us and scandalize us. And then I usually say, if you do, I'll come get you and take you home to your parents. But wasn't that a good report this morning that is the best behaved, the most honorable, the most polite? Woo! Somebody shout yes. They've been like Jesus. Glory to God. So all of a sudden, Jacob, come on, Nick, I'm going to close. He, he, he goes to a place and suddenly gets a revelation. There's access to heaven. Uh, I, I wonder this. Uh, does anybody need access to heaven today? Wait a minute. Let me just tell you this. In heaven, the streets are gold. So finances ain't no problem up there. God will help you while you're here. Well, Harley Hensley said, told me one time, he said, preacher said a lot of people got trouble about women wearing gold. He said, the streets is made out of that stuff in glory. And he said, I think maybe when Gabriel was sweeping up, he dropped the dustpan and let some fall down here. That's all right. He said, wear a little of it. It won't hurt you. That was the old holiness man. Harley Hensley told me that. But I'm just telling you, prosperity is available. And, and for those of you that need healing, look, look above this veil of sickness just for a moment. And understand that in that city, there's a throne. And one that sits upon it is like, the throne's like a sardine or a jasper stone. And there's, there's one that sits upon it that's so brilliant that he lights the entire country. They don't even need the sun there, the, S, the S-U-N. Because the sun is the light of that city. And there's a rainbow about the throne that's always a symbol of the grace of God so there won't be any floods anymore. Are y'all with me? And out of that throne there flows a river of water of life that's as clear as crystal. And on either side of the river there are trees. And the fruit feeds the nations. Y'all with me? Jesus said you'll never hunger again. You'll never thirst if you come to this. But the leaves of the trees are for the healing. Somebody say healing of the nations. Psalms 107, verse 20. The Bible said he sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their trouble. You see, healing is the characteristic of the kingdom. The son of righteousness will arise with healing in his wings. Is anybody hearing me? I'm here to tell you, in this presence of God, there's access to heaven. And in that access, there's salvation. In that access, there's healing. In that access, there's prosperity. There's peace. Problems are solved. Angels will come and minister to you. I don't wonder, does anybody need an angel to minister to them today? 
Some of you don't know. Well, let me tell you, a couple of angels went into a battlefield one night and killed 120,000 that was about to attack God's people. Just two of them. You, you need to tell somebody, I need a few angels tonight. There's some devils come against me that I can't handle, but they can. They can. Glory. Angels. And said I. hope you enjoyed today's message and will tune in again next time. Raising the Standard is the media ministry of the Richmond House of Prayer in Richmond, Kentucky. For more information on the various outreaches and ministries of the Richmond House of Prayer, please visit our website at www.rhop.life. Thanks for listening. <laughs>